They should be fucking put to death for what they did. There you go. There's a hot take. <laughs> people's criticism recently of you is that you've mellowed. Yeah, Bill, be the way you used to be and go around hurt people. They'll <laughs> <laughs> come up to you and say, hey, man, I was going through a really bad period in my life, and your comedy helped me. And uh, it's weird. You almost feel, like, uh, embarrassed when they say it because it's just like, oh, because I'm doing this for me. <laughs> <laughs> but you've always gone back to stand-up. Right. Why is it? Because I love it. And it was just like total like culture shock. Like I had never been in a room where I was just like the only white guy and there's like 300, you know, black people. And I was just like, you know, at first you go super liberal where you're just like, oh, wow, everybody here is cool. And then once you start to see, <laughs> and then once you start to go individually, like, oh, this guy's like my white friend Mark, who's a piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, like, it annoys me when I watch the news and you just see these weathermen going, I'll tell you, it's going to be a hot one. What are we doing right now? <laughs> I, was, I was literally going to say, what is today? Today's Tuesday? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we got jackets on and we're talking. <laughs> this, microphone. this isn't a fucking real job. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Trigonometry on the Road from the USA. I'm Francis Foster. I'm Constantin Kissin. And this is a show for you if you want honest conversations with fascinating people. It's our last interview of the trip and we are finishing with a bang. It's literally our favorite comedian alive today, Bill Burr. Welcome to Trigonometry. How are you? It's great to have you on, man. What a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that was the name of the podcast. That brings back some bad memories. Like, like what? Just being bad at math. <laughs> I got to algebra, algebra two and trig is how far I got. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, man, welcome, welcome to the show. I mentioned that we've been traveling around uh, and it's been a, a wild ride for us. We've talked to all sorts of people and America is an amazing place, but also very, very like divided place. A lot of people are angry now. It, it, why do you think that is? Like, how has America got to this point? Because people are getting their information on the internet. So they think that a lot of people, you know, if you go on the internet, everybody seems like they're angry. But if you go outside and walk around, they're not. It's not like they're just walking around screaming at each other. This, the, I think the internet is, is just like an abusive relationship and everybody just, you just get to say whatever you want, sort of, especially if you're not in the public eye and you just have some anonymous name and no photo, you just get to just <laughs> be like the biggest asshole ever, <laughs> either for sport or you actually mean it. So, you know, I think it would appear a lot less angry if... Um, you know, people weren't allowed to comment and communicate with each other on the internet, you know, or that you actually had to say who you were and where you lived. I think people would be a little more courteous to one another, but... Um, Bill Burr approves of doxing. That'll yeah. be the headline. Yeah, I mean, there's that, and then there's the whole history of this country, you know. Right. Coming to a head. Maybe, <laughs> maybe or just resurfacing. I don't know. And does it worry you, Bill? that people are more divided than ever, that we've got this kind of left-right divide and the left looks at the right and the right looks at the left and no one seems to really trust each other anymore? Uh, no, I just don't think any of that's real. It's not real. <laughs> it's just like, and the people from England and around, you guys always ask these questions, like, what's it like? Everybody <laughs> yelling at each other and walking around with a machine gun. And it's just like, it's like, you know what I mean? I, I'm trying to think of the stereotype of where you guys come from. It's just, it's just not this, it's, it's, it's kind of, you, you are what they show. Mm. And what, what everybody shows now is heightened emotions because there's so many places to look at things. Like crazy gets people to stop and watch. But like actual, you know, people just chilling out, 
no one wants to see that. They want to see like fighting and that type of thing. So um, I know what you're saying, but we've been talking to people. Hey, you've been here for a week. You got it down, True. man. <laughs> <laughs> Please, by all means, tell me about my country. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just asking the question, Bill. Yeah. Uh, well, that's cool. I answered it. You and did. And you're still going back. Yeah, but according to you know, <laughs> I know you guys are going to go back to England. Oh, they're fucking fat. Everybody's got a gun in the visor of their car. I know what you guys are going to do. You know what, actually? Americans are not that fat. It's the fat Americans who are extra fat. Most Americans are the same as the British. Well, our food supply is poison. Yeah. It was yeah. taken over by one group of people and they own the rights to the seeds and all of that type of stuff. And they forced out all of these farmers. If their seeds blew onto their property, they could sue them for using their seeds. And the media just ignored all of that because they get paid by them. That's sort of what is going on globally is everybody is just choosing money of the bag, as fucking kids say nowadays. Um, that's what the problem is. Nobody is, uh, you know, everybody's screaming and yelling about shit that doesn't matter, like stand-up comedians. They'll, they'll yell about that, but they won't talk about literally people uh, poisoning their own countrymen. I mean, they should be fucking put to death for what they did. There you go. There's a hot take. <laughs> I mean, I know if I did it, if I did it, if I fucking went to one donut shop and put something in a fucking donut that hurts somebody or caused them to have some sort of medical episode, that would be a, I would not be sitting here right now. But they somehow, you know, you know how it is. Catholic church can do what they do. Kind of move people around and uh, everything's all right. As long as you're fucking, you know, you're paying people, it's good. So that's what it is. <laughs> it's a great point. Why is it, do you think that we get more obsessed by the stuff that doesn't matter, you know, pronouns, blah, 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 than the actually really important stuff, like the fact there's a fentanyl crisis in this country? Or because you're being steered away from it. There's also money and, and it's just like, you have to sacrifice someone in on one of those big news channels would have to sacrifice their cushy life and, uh, you know, and fall on the knife and nothing would happen. I mean, that's what you probably learned with Snowden, mm -hmm. what he did, you know, and like he did that for all of us. He should be treated like a hero. Half of the people, you know, over here, the big thing is if you know somebody's fighting for the people, uh, they're immediately branded a socialist or a communist and they somehow try to tie him to uh, Putin. <laughs> it's just like, or he just thinks the banking system's a little fucked up and maybe uh, it shouldn't be run by a private corporation. Could be that. Um, yeah. Do you find it weird early. that you're being asked so much about politics as a stand-up? Uh, no, because I, I just think that, uh, you know, they don't want real answers. They want idiots like me talking about it and then everybody just go that's just some idiot comedian that does shit jokes but they don't want like uh i don't know i don't even think they even answer the questions or even ask them anymore i don't know this is getting depressing <laughs> <laughs> i don't know this is what I, this is why i just sort of tapped out because i wasn't at all like conspiracy theory as far as like you know not saying the move was made out of cheese but i got into that whole federal reserve thing and everything and i just all i did was just meet other crazy people and we weren't getting anything done and uh, we just agreeing with each other. And I just, after a while, it just became, uh, you know, depressing. So I just sort of just, I was, you know, uh, you know, I kind of have an issue with the higher power though right now. <laughs> what, what's your issue with the higher power? He's lazy. <laughs> 
He makes a lot of fucked up people and takes no responsibility and blames it on the devil. That whole fucking thing is just fucked up to me. And uh, the joke I've been doing in my act is that I, I believe in a God, but not that one that cares. I think he just sort of made, even if you just look like the animal kingdom, like what, so like rabbits are just here to be eaten. Yeah. And they die horrible fucking deaths. There's really no point. They, they're designed to like just fuck all the time and make more so everything, you know, they can be eaten alive. <laughs> so what you're saying is God's an absent father. Uh, created I know, I, us I just, and left us. I know, I know. He's like in a fucking art, artist studio. And he just uh, made this and then he, uh, and he makes that and just fucking he's like, uh, yeah, I just picture him in some fucking giant loft <laughs> creating and then moving on to the next thing. I don't think he's coming back or anybody else. I think we're just going to ride this out. And then one day the light goes out, it just goes quiet and then something else springs up and that's the next thing he works on. Um, and you think that's just going to be the way it rolls? Yeah. That makes sense. What, why do you pick the subjects that you pick when you do comedy? Why are you attracted to these subjects? Because there's a lot of comedians who would love to do the stuff that you do, but they're too scared. Like they're too they're scared. They're just doing what they want to do. And there's also like, you know, with stand-up, it's you've got to figure out, you know, am I, am I this person? Am I that person? Do I want to talk about this? And, you know, um, Look, as much as I talk about what I talk about, I don't like, I don't choose political sides. Like I've seen some comedians do. I would never, um, I wouldn't do that because I just, I just feel like, you know, I, I know I don't have the answers. So I'm not going to sit there and tell people like, uh, you know, who they're going to vote, who they should vote for or whatever. I'm not saying a bunch of comics do that, but I, I've seen people kind of doing that, especially during the, uh, the last two that we've had <laughs> the last two elections that we had it got pretty wild mm. <laughs> the options it was slim pickings <laughs> yeah so now we're with this guy and just i don't know i just miss old school politicians you know that just sort of gave you a speech gave you some hope as opposed to like you know now i don't know what we have there's literally actors out here talking how they want to run for president <laughs> <laughs> It's Which strikes me as hilarious. It's like, you got this great fucking life. You're making 10, 20 million a movie and you want to get a job where you're going to have like dead babies on your fucking conscience because <laughs> the bombs don't always land on the bad guys and you're going to age like 40 years and eight. You're like, what the fuck would you ever want that job for is beyond me. You know, maybe they just think that they're so good at acting that they can just play any role. Do you know what I mean? Like the president is just another role to play. I think they're staying ahead of their depression. <laughs> so they just need another challenge so they don't sit and they're not alone with their thoughts. <laughs> like, well, I'm pretty fucked up. <laughs> what am I doing next? I'll run for president. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never sit in traffic again. That, that, that'll shut this off. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but, serious, but Bill, you do go to like the more contentious topics. You do kind of well, they, they, But they do interest me. Everybody does. You're telling me, Ed, is there anything that I'm talking about you don't talk about? You might not talk about the way I do, but you well, do. I do. Yeah, but a lot of people wouldn't talk about it oh, on stage. Man, There's loads of comedians. We know you... a ton of comedians who wouldn't even go near the subjects. You're yeah, yeah but I know a ton that do. Sure. No, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's just all like, you know, it's like music. I'm playing this style of music. You're playing that. And there's yeah. like, there's everything from, you know, that stuff I was just playing you that I like to meditate to. Yeah. All the way to like, you know, my sugar. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's a, uh, 
There's no right or wrong way to do stand-up comedy. Mm, yeah. You just do it the way you want to do it, and you listen to your voice, and if this is what you want to talk about, you talk about it, but you don't give into pressure like, hey, man, you're up there, you're not saying anything, man. <laughs> it's just like, maybe I don't want to. Yeah. Maybe I don't want to. Maybe that's how I deal with fucking the depression of, of, of paying attention is I go up there and give people a fucking mental break, you know? Like, mm. maybe that's what... Those style of people do, and I got I got to be honest with you. I I love comics like that, yeah. And I, I I like you know somebody that's doing something completely different than I am. It's easy to follow because they're not stepping on anything that I'm talking about. And I love silly, you know. I love absurd. I love observational comedy, prop acts, guitar acts. As long as you make me laugh, yeah, I I I, I love it. And do you sometimes feel like people paint this image of you like? He's just this angry guy who, you know, who doesn't like women because they watch the act, which I think is nonsense, by the way. Whereas... Well, it's kind of true in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't 100% wrong. I had, you know, I had a lot of issues with women. I still have a lot. Uh, I still go back to some, you know, tried and true ones. And uh, it is funny, whenever I start to write a new hour, it's just, I always, it's always that. And I, and I was saying the other night, I was saying, ladies, just don't worry. I'm going to iron this out before the <laughs> special. It's just, I always like, and I don't, be honest with you, I don't know where most of that, uh, I know where some of it comes from. I don't know where most of that came from, but, um, um, but I, I, it really had nothing to do with women, I don't think. But like being in a relationship brought me back to like, you know, like a suffocating oppressive sort of thing and it just sort of felt like you know which it wasn't never the woman's fault in the relationship i was in it was just that i was not in touch with my emotions so i didn't know what i really truly felt so i was always yeah it just you know i you know for a while every time i was in a relationship i felt like i was in this little rubber raft heading towards the waterfall uh which is not the place you want to be in uh, in a relationship so um Unfortunately, I met my wife. So. Mm. Because when you're on stage, stop hurting people. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you when you're on stage, you it looks like a guy who is looking at the world and struggling to understand everything that's happening, and sort of railing against it. Which I think a lot of people, particularly guys can and women, can connect with. You know, I, I guess so. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I did read. I did read a book though that went to, that kind of made you know that I would recommend to all you English guys who always go like, what's going on over there, mate? Everybody's got a gun, what's going on? <laughs> um, I read this book called Wilmington's Lie. You should read that. And then everything up until now, including abortion, everything just goes, it's like, oh, I'm not saying it's right. It just makes like, oh, this is how we ended up here. Um, what's it called again? Wilmington's Lie. I'll make sure to read that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's got everything in there. It's got like, you know, uh, white supremacy, it's got elections, Democrat, Republicans, it's got like black and white, the whole thing, you know, it's kind of unfair to just put it on Wilmington. It's like Wilmington is like sort of like a, a Petri dish to show the whole country what was, uh, you know, how kind of we ended up here. I got so much out of that book. It was, it was, you know, actually in a weird way, even though everything is so fucked up still, but it's at least you understand, like, well, it kind of makes sense where this fucked up if this is what we're standing on type of thing. 
Uh, Bill, it's it's an interesting thing you talk about meeting your wife and what a positive difference made in your life, and uh, it it shows you how messed up sometimes the way we look at comedy is because people people's criticism sometimes recently of you is that you've mellowed, which like in a normal world like that's like a good thing, right? But for a comedian, people will say that meaning you've you've lost an edge. Have you mellowed? Yeah, you have. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm not as mad as as I used to be, and like, uh, yeah, they are right. I have, and they, they want me to just be angry my whole life and mm -hmm. not enjoy living mm -hmm. is because they're angry and that they're not enjoying their lives. So with them, I don't take it personally. I just hope that they can somehow, I don't know, find some sort of peace because it's no way to go. Because you're just going around, like, you know, yeah, Bill, be the way you used to be and go around hurt people <laughs> <laughs> with your fucking wild outbursts or whatever. And it's like, and then there's also, you know, there's... Um, there's, there's all kinds of different people that come at me with that shit. And, and it could be based in just like uh, where they're at in their relationships with women or they're like, you know, racists and shit. And they, you know, like to say things about me and my life and stuff. But I mean, that's just where they are and I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Anybody like... Uh, you know, whenever I put something out, I just, I read until the first negative comment and then I do the math. All right. There was like 12 good ones and one bad one. That's pretty good. Yeah. All right. That's it. And then I just, I don't look at it and I, uh, you know, get on with my life. Yeah. Well, this is what Joe was saying to us is like, man, just stop reading the comments. Just don't read the comments. Uh, and I never used to understand it because I was like, yeah, but you got to be able to hear, you know, the different sides. And then I realized it's the internet, it, you know. Yeah, and then, like, what I always noticed when I was uh, coming up, you know, when I was selling my CDs or DVDs after the show, was that all the cool people you wanted to talk to and hang out with were like, I don't want to bug you, and they would leave. And then all the idiots, <laughs> just annoying people, wanted to sit there and talk your ear off. And, like, that's what the Internet is. All of those people, not all, but most of the people commenting are those people. And the people you really want to talk to are not reaching out to you or or, or whatever. They're just like... Like, they'll just watch and be like, I, I really enjoyed that. We should go see him when he comes to town. Or mm -hmm. I wasn't into that, you know, let's watch something else. And <laughs> somebody, some of them are funny, though. I saw one, this person wrote, and this is why I can never like Bill Burr. And then, <laughs> and then they showed this clip. And what I loved was there was no tweet above it saying, and why don't you like Bill Burr? And it's just like, and this is why, like, the whole world was waiting, like, oh, finally, <laughs> this person answered why they don't like this stupid fucking comedian. And the behavior on social media, you know, they're always coming at people in the public eye saying, oh, you know, these celebrities are this and that. that. The fucking behavior of the average person, like, they're wound up in it, too. They, yeah. they're, they're living their own little TV. And this is why. <laughs> and everybody's supposed to be like, oh, my God, that's so fucking profound. Um, it was commenting on because when I, I did Conan, right, the, like the day after Trump got elected and it was like a fucking funeral out here in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to go on this. I'm like, eh, it's not going to be that bad. You know, eh, you know what's going to happen or whatever, you know, yeah. just trying to put his positive spin on it. And they were saying that's the reason why that they don't they don't like me. And it's yeah. just like um, I got a buddy of mine, Joe Bartnick. He says, you know, everybody acts like Trump is the worst president ever. He's like, he's not, he's not. He's like, George W. Bush, he goes, we had a $20 trillion surplus and this guy started two non-ending wars and gave all the money to his friends and bankrupted us. 
You know, that's fucking way worse. But they all do their shit. Obama drone bombing weddings. Mm. Clinton was the guy who did that shit with the bank that made some jerk off, <laughs> you know, working at a subway qualified to get a loan <laughs> for a $400,000 house, which created that whole thing in 2008. You just keep going back. I think the only, like, the only, like, uh, like, truly, like, good person, like, human being, I feel, that's been president in my lifetime is Jimmy Carter. And you see him, the guy's in his 90s. He's still, you know, building houses for the homeless. He's out there swinging a hammer. Like, everybody else just goes off and buys land that sits on an aquifer because they're, like, you know, like, I guess, betting on global warming. I guess. <laughs> is that what you do as a world leader? Um and this guy's actually out there trying to help people. And um, it's funny. I remember when I was a kid, he was considered weak. Um, that was the thing. Um, because he didn't, you know, start a war with Iran. I remember that because of the <laughs> hostage thing. And he was able to, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I just see, like, he was, we should have kept that guy. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe if he was in too long, he'd start to be a lunatic. But, like, that guy just seems like, you know. Bill, yeah. coming back to what you said about going on Conan on the day after Trump gets elected, one of the things I always liked about your comedy is you, you always try and take the opposite side to whatever, not always, but often you take the opposite side to whatever the mainstream thing is because that's your instinct as a comic. Like, Where do you get that from? Uh, pushing people away. <laughs> 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 this is like a therapy session right yeah. here. Oh, well, no, I, I figured my know-how, I, I understand myself now. No, yeah. that's what, that's all that was, was pushing people away because then if I'm alone, no one can hurt me. So that literally that, and just filters into your comedy. And then, yeah, a bit of a contrarian. You're like, <laughs> just like, it's like, no, it's just like, look, anybody who's a comedian, a really funny one had something really fucked up happen to him. Well, a bunch of fucked up things happened yeah. to him. So it's like you sort of, uh, you know, I guess reactive. I don't know what it is, but you, 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 uh, it filters into what you do. So um, it's not like a conscious choice as much as it became a really a defense thing. And then when you get on co on a comedy stage it becomes actually not what you wanted, but you're just ingrained in that. Like, I'm going to say what you don't want me to say. And, and I'm doing it because offstage me does that. And then people just sort of fuck off and leave you alone. <laughs> and then when you're on stage, they're not leaving. And then they start heckling you. It's like, oh, this isn't what I wanted. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted them to like me. So, um, yeah, there is, there's all of that shit. There's a lot of that. You talk a lot about masculinity in your current special. Why is it that you talk about it so much now? Was it because I of the... never talked about masculinity? I talked about myself. Oh, okay, right. And then you're rebranding it as, as masculinity. masculinity. Okay. I'm just glad you didn't say toxic. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, the reason I guess why I spoke about masculinity is because it's a lot of a lot of things that men connect with. You know, that feeling. You know, of anger. You know. The, the relationship with the father, not being able to process that, having kids, being a dad and going, oh, I don't want to pass this stuff onto my kid. Right. I'm sure my dad thought that. I think, man, my kids will, will think that. There's always stuff that you're going to like, you know, you're going to make mistakes. Um, I just think the big thing is apologizing to them and addressing in the moment that you did it, that you messed up and that you're really sorry. And then I go back to it two or three times. Um, I did that, I messed up the other day with my daughter and then uh, 
I was saying, yeah, I can't believe I did that. I really, I, the third time I apologize. I, I was like, uh, it makes me sad that I did that. And she was like, I don't want you to be sad. Oh. I was just like, all right, mm. it's good. Now. We're good now. Yeah, it was really cute. I became a dad a few months ago, so I haven't got to that stage yet. Uh, how has that changed you, the experience of being becoming a father and being a father? Um, oh, God, I actually, the thing I learned is like, you know, you think, you know, you buy some huge house and they have all the toys and then you're going to have like this, you're going to raise a good empathetic person. It's not how it works. It's like you can give them everything in the world. The one, the biggest thing that they need is your time. So if you're busy, like everybody in this business is, um, you have to say no to stuff and you have to like, you know, like my big thing was I went on, you know, everything has an app now. Like my daughter's school has an app. So I just looked up when's her fall break, when's the Christmas break, when's February, when's April. And I just sent that to everybody. I'm not working these weeks. So, um, you know, uh, yeah, she said some like heartbreaking shit to me. Like kids just <laughs> kids really get to like, you know, I, I shot a movie earlier this year and she's like, dad, can you, you know, can you hang out with me today? And I was like, ah, you know, I go, I got to work today. And she's like, ah, and I said, no, I go, I'm on, I got two more days left on this movie. And she goes, uh, she goes, I don't like when you do movies. And I was like, I don't like it. I go, I don't like it either. And then she goes, I go, but I'm done in two days. And she goes, good. Then you can play with me forever. And I was like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and you just walk out like I am the worst parent. But it's just like, this is how I fucking pay for our life. So I have to go do this shit. So um, like those things, you have to let those things land mm. and sit in the pain of them and be like, all right, I need to make sure I do. And it's like, I'm going to have to go to work. So I just have to make sure I don't work. I got to have that balance of you know, keeping the lights on and then like, like being there. But like, I am there a lot though. That is the great thing about this job is like, I kind of work when I want to work. Um, it's just once every two weeks, I go away for three days, you know, on, you know, some sort of gig or whatever, but I don't do anything longer than like three, three, four days. I was going to ask you, you know, Fran neither Francis or I grew up with a lot of money. So we have like a lot of drive, you know, that's how I feel about it. And I, the one thing him and I always talk mm -hmm. about with kids is like not raising them to be spoiled brats when they've got, you know, this or whatever they've got. Right. Do you, do you worry about that? Uh, yeah, a little bit, but like, um, it's not, you know, we just like laugh a lot and we're always joking around and we're just like, uh, you know, both my kids, my wife's hilarious. And there's just a lot of joking around and laughing and things aren't really like serious. So I think if you sort of uh, raise them, you don't hold them accountable. And then also if you're, if you're into like the status of having money mm -hmm. and mm. we need to join this country club and you should <laughs> hang out with their kids and marry into that family, do yeah. that, that shit, you know? I think maybe that, that I don't know. This is my first time doing this. So I have no idea. I think, you know, but my, my kids are really, uh, they're amazing. They're really funny. They're very happy and they know they're loved and they're very secure. And, um, you know, it's fun. It's just, you know, whatever they get into, you just sort of, all right, you know, you kind of nudge them that to see how long it's tracks. But, um, you know, it's a hard thing if they're getting into something that you're into and then they sign up not into it anymore. And you got to be like, oh. <laughs> Do you not worry that they're going to want to go into show business and you having seen like the way show business is and 
No, show business is awesome. Like, none of us have a real job. What are we doing right now? <laughs> I, I, was, I was literally going to say, what is today? Today's Tuesday? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we got jackets on and we're talking. <laughs> this, microphone. this isn't a fucking real job. As opposed to, like, the job that I had. I, I, yeah, so when true. I had, like, a day job, I fucking, I hated going to work. Yeah. I had a blast coming over here. I was yeah. listening to my music. Yeah. You know, listen to, you know, doing my little French lessons and shit in the car. That's what I do in the car. And I, you know, come over here. You know, it's just like this business is a, is a great business. It's, you just have to, there is a part of it though, when, when you start getting to be like, there's a certain level of success that you hit that you really have to watch out that they don't burn you out because it just becomes like, oh, then all of a sudden, you know, nobody was calling you and then too many people are calling you and you're just, you know, how you make it is like, you know, hey, will you drive to, in the middle of nowhere to do this shithole? Yes, yes. <laughs> you just, uh, you just, so you got to get out of that mindset yeah. and kind of be like, all right. Yeah, especially when you have like, when I have like kids and stuff. So um, I shot a movie that I, I wrote with a buddy of mine, Ben Tischler from Miramax, and um, ended up getting talked into directing it too. And simply because we were coming out of COVID for the 90th millionth time and, <laughs> and projects were starting to go again. <laughs> And just everyone, all the directors were taken up. Everyone was like, you know, no one was free. Everybody had a project that they said that they were going to do over the last year and a half or whatever. So, and then it was just like, all right, well, if we don't get a director soon, it's going to go away. And they just <laughs> kept coming back going, you want to do it? And I was like, and then I finally just went, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> and I'm so happy I did it, even though it was, it was a ton of work and everything. But um like, but after this movie, like, I'm not, I'm just doing stand-up for the rest of the year. So when I'll finish this movie sometime, like, September or October, it'll be delivered and all of that. And then, um, like, I'm just not doing shit. <laughs> I'm watching football. I'm hanging out with my kids. I'm not doing, you know, I got my stand-up dates, but that's not work. That's just fun. Yeah. A lot of people would look at you and rightly regard you as probably one of the best comics of your generation, right? And whether you accept that or not, that's how a lot of people see you. I don't accept it and I resent you saying <laughs> <laughs> like, The both of us would certainly. Yeah. How do you get to be that good at something? What do you sacrifice? Do you see what I mean? Like to, to get to that level? Uh, you don't really sacrifice anything. You just sort of, it becomes... I just think it becomes a game within yourself where you, and when you, as a young comic and just like a young person, you know, all of a sudden you're out in the world and you, you know, what's everybody doing? What are they, oh, they're wearing that jacket. I got to wear that jacket. And it's very, you're looking like that. Mm. And then, you know, then you gradually start to figure out, well, you know, I did that. I, I'm doing what other people are doing and I'm not getting anywhere and I'm not happy. So then hopefully you get to a point of like, all right, well, if I'm not going to make it, I'm at least not going to make it saying what I want to say. And then you go down that road and then down that road, it becomes, you know, I keep doing this thing or I know I can do that and I'm not able to do it on stage. And you just work on your game like the way an athlete would. Like if you can't go to your left, start going to your left. And, you know, and... Um, but what was that moment for you when you you were like, well, fuck it, if I'm if I'm not gonna get anywhere, at least I'll I'll do it my way. W what happened? Like, was there a moment like that? Or was it gradual? Yeah, yeah. it was 1999. And uh, see, I'd come out here, I'd gotten uh, an acting gig, made a little bit of money, and then it went away. 
I basically went from nobody, got an acting gig on a show, and then we got canceled all in like six months. It was like, boom, and then slammed back down to the ground and then not getting spots. And then my whole um, focus got shifted because people were looking me as a guy who used to be on a TV show, or at least I thought they were. They probably didn't give a fuck. <laughs> but in my head, everybody cared. I was like that tweet. And this is why mm-hmm. everyone, you know, mm. this is why I don't like Bill. So I, I was in that mindset. So uh, yeah, somewhere around 99, I was just like, uh, this is a brutal place to live when you have nothing going on. LA is fucking brutal. Um, so I was just sitting there and I thought, all right, why the fuck did I get in this business? I got in this business because I wanted to be a comedian. I wanted to be a great comedian. I wanted to be a comedian that other comedians respected and said nice things about. I never had a desire to do any of this acting bullshit. This just fucking happened because I went on an audition because that's what people in New York and out here we're doing with comedians. Oh, have you going to read for this sitcom or whatever? So then I moved back. I just said, fuck this. I'm going back to New York. And there was things that I wanted to do. There was a show um, at the old Boston Comedy Club on Sunday night. Uh, it was the the Uptown show, which was the black show, right? All the black comics or whatever. It was run by uh, Will Sylvance and uh, James Talon Harris. And I always wanted to do that room. Not that room. Like I always wanted to go in front of a crowd like that because I grew up listening to all these albums. And one of the albums I listened to was was all the Richard Pryor ones. And his albums were so live sounding that you could just, you know, not only like the characters he did, I have a, a picture of what they look like. The people in the crowd, like certain louder laughs. I know what everybody looks like. And um, I just, uh, I don't know why. I just, because I was listening to him so much, that was what a crowd look like (laughs) that was kind of weird some white kid in the middle of the suburbs so then i came down to new york one time with uh the late great patrice o'neill and new york was already freaking out about this guy patrice o'neill from boston so i tagged along like his fucking chauffeur (laughs) and they brought us down uh he went over to uh sunday night at the boston and i just remember going in there and it was just like total like culture shock. Like I had never been in a room where I was just like the only white guy and there's like 300, you know, black people. And I was just like, it was amazing. And also I was like scared and all this type of shit. And uh, I remember I saw Chris Tucker went up right before Fridays came out. I was like, I don't know who the fuck that is, but that guy <laughs> is amazing. He's, you know, and and I remember thinking like, just knowing, I was like, I know I can do this room. I just can't do it now because I'm scared. So I had to like, you know, and that was like 95. It wasn't until 99 that I moved back and I said, fuck this. I'm just going to go down and do, and I started doing those shows. I also started doing those shows because other comics, black comics would be like saying that the people in that room were funnier and <laughs> those rooms are harder and da, 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 da. It was, you know, it was fucking annoying me. You know, it's like you, you were like, hey, we won the championship. And they're like, oh, there's a team down the street that could kick your ass, but they're not allowed in the league. And it's like, ah, fuck, I got to go play them now. So, I went over there and uh, and I just learned so much about comedy. And, uh, you know, there's an easy way to do that room. You go up there and you're like, you just play the fish out of the water. Like, oh, gee, I'm the only <laughs> white guy here. And oh boy, am I nervous? <laughs> That's always going to get a laugh. Or you can actually go up there and talk about what you want to talk about. And that was something that I learned how to, you know, I was learning how to do that in, in the mainstream rooms. And then I learned how to do it there. And then also by going to all of those rooms, 
the good thing that happened to me as a person was it wasn't, I didn't just see like, uh, you know, this is a crowd full of black people. You know, when I first was there, that's what I saw. And everybody I talked to, that's all I saw because it was like just so different from it. It became like you start to see individuals and then you start to see, uh, you know, at first you go super liberal where you're just like, oh, wow, everybody here is cool. And then once you start to see, <laughs> and then once you start to go individually, like, oh, this guy's like my white friend Mark, who's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then, oh, this person's like my friend Doug, who's a great guy, you know? So it's just like, then, you know, I feel like uh, that's a huge thing, um, a huge experience that as a comedian that you get that other people don't. Um, I did, remember when I did stand up in uh, India one time. I did uh, Mumbai, India, and afterwards, I hung out with all of these comics from the local scene. And we were sitting there in this restaurant. My wife got this great picture. I was sitting there, and they were asking all me these questions about stand up. It was the exact same questions that people ask here. And it was all sort of like, you know, how do you write your stuff? How long did it take you to start? Blah 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 blah. And then finally, one of them just goes, uh, "All right, who's the comic out there?" that's selling just a whole bunch of tickets and you have no idea why. And I just started laughing. I was just like, wow, that, sh that shit exists over here. And you just see like the, you know, the humanity where it's just like, yeah, over here you got the, ex it's the exact same people. It's just, you know, things are different. The clothes are different. The language is different. People look different. The food's different and all that. But like the basic thing you know there's good people there's you know people finagling you know and it's just kind of like so I, I from sunday night to boston i learned now everywhere i go you know uh to try to see the individual and then try to make the connection to the person i know here to to kind of gain a, like a, a good person bad person or, or or like what's this person up to is this just cool? We talking comedy? Is this person, you know, what, what's going on here? So, um, yeah, uh, it was all during that time of discovery. Was uh, so I was making all these leaps and bounds as a comedian, but n n zero as a person <laughs> because I felt like I think a lot of comics. It's just like you know, I'm broken and I'm hurt and I'm going to go on stage and I'm going to do this and people are going to laugh and they're going to love me and then I'm going to feel good and everything's going to be fine. And then one day you just realize I got to turn around and face all of this shit the same way anybody who doesn't do this job has to. And uh, yeah, that's a fun 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, you mentioned Patrice. Yep. He's one of the greats. What was he like as a person to, to be around... Um, he was, he was, he was everything. Everything was on 10. Everything was, that guy was on 10. If he was being cool, he was the coolest guy you ever met. If he was being funny, he was the funniest guy you ever met. If he was being an asshole, <laughs> you wanted to fucking kill him. I still have arguments with him. Like, that's how, like, the level of this guy. He's been dead for, like, fucking 11, coming up in 11 years. I can't believe it, but, like. This shit, I'm still figuring out that he crossed the line and I'm thinking, because I was so like, you know, slow. I wasn't up to what he, he was doing. <laughs> but, um, you know, I had all kinds of, uh, you know, amazing conversations just talking about life, how we ended up where we were at, how the two of us ended up being friends. 
you know, I had fallen outs with them. I just, I had like everything. I mean, it was like a fucking miniseries with that guy. So there's no real way to sum him up in a few minutes. But I, I will say that, you know, you know, if guys like him, you know, Mitch Hedberg, Bernie Mac, we've lost so many like amazing people. Like I, I often wonder like how many tickets would I be selling if these guys were still around? <laughs> You know, just one of those things. That's another way to make it live. <laughs> Keep living. Did, did he influence your comedy at all? Did he Did he ever say to you, oh man, you need to go like this way or that way? Or He used to try to do that to me in the beginning, which was funny, which was classic him. Because I'd actually be doing stand-up longer than him and he'd been doing <laughs> <laughs> He was already, already pontificating. Uh. But like, the thing about him, I remember him was like early on, he was challenging himself, like going on stage and opening with a different joke. And like when you're a new comic, when you first start, mm, like yeah. you're, you're a new joke, yeah. your opening joke is your life raft. Yeah, that's a like, risk. This is going to get me, you know, and he's, you know, he was kind of doing stuff like that. But um, um, yeah, yeah, he was, you know, it was, we were both two fucked up kids. So we had it, you know, Good times, bad times, had to like fucking take breaks from each other. I remember he used to, have to take breaks from white people in general. <laughs> and like, I had to take breaks from going down to the cellar sometimes. It's like, I just don't want to go down there and just fucking have to have all my deflector shields up and be fucking, you know, shooting claymores over at everybody. It was a fucking war. It was so stupid. It's really been glamorized, that table at the cellar, but it was fucking... What we did was stupid. We just fucking were ripping. It was funny, but we never did anything creatively. I don't know. The, <laughs> the way we helped each other was actually coming out of that. It's really hard to hurt my feelings. <laughs> like, I mean, I can handle <laughs> Like, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. Uh, so, um, yeah, but I, I, you know, there's so many of those comics you know, that, you know, I'm still a fan of stand-up and I just, you know, miss besides them. Like, like, man, what would they be saying about this? You know what I mean? And like, um, how great would stand-up comedy be if this, like, there's like 20 of them that were, you know, better than I was that Pat just seemed to, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know if I just got older and I just knew people and they were just all dying, but like so many people just passed away that were just, you know, absolute beasts. And they were like on their way to something. There was a kid, I I, I don't know his name because I just discovered him um, when he passed away. Somebody told me, and it just was heartbreaking to see this kid's stuff. And he was like 28 and the stuff he was doing and the angle that he had, I was just like, oh man, he, yeah, he was already great, but he was he was gonna be somebody that really had uh, something to say. Like he he would have been great for stand up. Um, so it sucks. Why do you think it is that so many comics die young? Um, I I don't know. I, I wonder that sometimes. Is it is it? Aren't there just a bunch of young people dying? They're just they don't have like fans. So nobody notices. <laughs> I mean, there's so many people out there struggling with drugs and stuff yeah. that die. You see all these billboards and stuff. You just, 
don't know their name and never saw them play guitar or tell you some jokes. So, uh, but you don't think there's the tortured artist thing that you know people who are creative. You talked about it. The anger is what drives you, or the fucked up childhood is what drives you. And a lot of those people are then musicians are the same, right? Do you don't think there's an element of that? I think there is, but I think it's also glamorized, and I also think that it doesn't. Uh, you're not in. You know, just because you have a fucked up childhood doesn't mean you don't end up becoming an architect. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think there's a lot of, um, you know, and then they make movies about comedians mm. and they, yeah. you know, you have to raise the stakes, you know, we got to keep the ball moving. <laughs> just, you know, so it just becomes, you know, like, that's why I used that reference earlier, I guess, when I was talking about God and his loft. Yeah. Because yeah. my idea of painters is that they're all crazy, just, just, you know, cutting their fucking ears off and shit. And it's just like, <laughs> or, you know, that's. I'm know. married to an artist. I don't know how wrong that is, man. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's pretty bang on. But, but, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll edit that out. <laughs> uh, they're all a little bit, you know, yeah. uh, as are we. Uh, I think, no, but everybody is. Everybody's a little fucked up. And so you got to like. Or is that just the story we tell ourselves? No, no, I, I, they are. If you really kind of pay attention to people, everybody's got like a, you know, a thing that they're doing. You know, the person that laughs after everything that they say at like a party. I mean, they're just like wildly insecure and you know their mother said something that they're carrying or just something and i just <laughs> you know i just think their gift is they know how to fix things or design things or they're in the medical field and all of that i think that yeah like they're just like you know i can tell you like everybody's like pilots and all pilots there's something pilots all got like a they're a little fucking nuts <laughs> there's a reassuring like, thought. no 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 but they, <laughs> No, no, but then they go, they go up there. Safe trip, boys. <laughs> no, they go up there, and then it makes sense, and everything that, and then yeah. they, they're just like, you got to be like laser focused, so all the bullshit in your head quiets. Yeah. Yeah. No, you want a guy a little nuts, <laughs> or a woman a little. Nuts. I like a female pilot too, because I feel like okay, she. I'm went glad through, you got that in there. Well, she went through extra bullshit. Yeah. Like yeah. she definitely, she had to do an extra triple Lindy with the fucking. <laughs> 747 to get up there. So uh, I go the opposite route. I got a few buddies of mine just being like, God, they got a broad up there. You know? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And because of that fucking mindset, think about what she went through to get there. So, you know, a lot of people use stand up as a springboard to then become an actor, to, be, to become a director, or wh whatever it may be. But you've always done stand up. Why is that? Why did you never use it as a stand Because, you know, you could do. Well, you're he does other stuff, but yeah, you're you kept stand-up first, right? Yeah, but you've always gone back to stand-up. Right. Why is that? Because I love it. I mean, I just, I can't not do it. Um, I uh, I don't know. I, I And I also know I'm not dumb enough to just give into this business. And then that, now, I, I got, now I have a boss the industry and I got to, you know, and I'm going to go through hot and cold periods like anybody else. And now I got to sit around and I got to think like, oh, fuck, you know, uh, they don't want me to play the computer guy in the next Mission Impossible or something like that. <laughs> or whatever the fuck in my role would be. <laughs> the redhead role. Um, you know, what I like about stand-up, not only do I love it, but it also affords me the ability to say no to shit. Because, and as long as I don't, you know, stop writing jokes and I keep trying to get better, you know, and you know, you lose fans along the way, all these people that are upset that I'm happy. <laughs> Evidently, I don't know. Um, but like, I can like, 
you know, I know that I can always go out and every month I can do some jokes, which was the dream. It was never really beyond that, other than the same, you know, one that everybody, you know, I like to thank the Academy, you know, everybody, everybody has that one. But like the real thing was if I had to choose between that uh, and stand up, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a no brainer. Like if they said you, you could only choose one, and you can never do anything else, it'd be a stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up all day long, all day long. Because Eddie Murphy said that was his big regret. When everything happened and that he gave up the stand-up. And now he's got to a point where he feels like he can't go back because the legends has built up so much about how great he was. Of course, he was incredible. We all loved Eddie Murphy. Oh, yeah, that guy, that guy is arguably the most talented person in the last half a century. Maybe 60 years I'd go back. I mean, he's like in the level of like, you know, I don't know, Michael Jackson, James, like it's just... Uh, Tony Williams, I gotta throw a drummer in there. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, if you look at his specials and just know how young he was when he did those, and like when I love watching Raw because it was right as he was really, you know, like delirious is him just killing in the crowd, loving him, yeah. you know. But then when you watch Raw, you see him start, you know, when he was talking about his life and being nervous about getting married and paying alimony. Oh, they get half. And some woman, I mean, I know if you got this, she goes, that's right. And he goes, no, that's bullshit. And I was just like, like, here's this new, like, you know, I, I just think that, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Everybody has their own way that they do it, but, like, um, I don't think the legend's too big. I think that he would come back and everyone would be totally excited and you'd want to hear what he had to say. And it's just, I think more, once he got comfortable that we were comfortable, I, I, I just think... And then that would be it. And he would blow by all of us. Yeah. All of us. All of us. Quickly. I mean, you think of, you're talking about a guy that can, like, I mean, obviously hilarious. So he can do the stand-up thing. He can do dead-on impressions. He's got the music ability. I mean, just, and then he he has that, 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 like, star thing. Like, I mean, I, you know, there hasn't been another one come along. No. As bright as that. And I don't think it's even been close. Maybe Jamie Foxx. But Jamie Foxx was never as good a stand-up as, as Eddie Murphy. He could have been. I think he just kind of came in like with the acting and all that yeah. type of stuff. But Jamie Foxx is another guy. Like those guys, guys, when I see guys like that, I'm like, why am I in this fucking business? <laughs> I actually watched this thing, this clip from, uh, I never even saw the movie. It was a Mike Epps movie. And he did this scene where he was asking for like a lottery number. And he's telling the guy the number. And then he just starts beatboxing, saying the number. 15, 30, 37, 38, I just like, how the fuck did, am I even in this business when there's a guy that talented? Cat Williams is another guy. Yeah. Uh, Sam Rockwell's another guy that makes me think that. Um, well, while we're on that subject, Bill, excluding yourself, greatest five stand-ups of all time for you. Um, 
It's funny you said excluding yourself. Whenever I watch rappers, they always go like, so it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd make it easier for you. Just get yourself out of that. It's so fucking funny. It's, it's like nauseating the narcissism. And then I just, there's something about the honesty of that that I love. <laughs> well, I'm obviously fucking amazing. But you um, know, when Kanye does it, you go, yeah, that's fair. You could, that's, that's legitimate to put yourself in the top yeah. five. Yeah. And he definitely would. Yeah, and there's something about it. It's just, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun to listen to somebody talking shit about themselves. Um, top, what do you say, top five? Top five. Yeah. All, All right. time. Okay. Uh, Pryor, Carlin, uh, Joan Rivers. Uh, this is where it gets hard. Like, who am I going to put in? Like, I just love so many people. Um. These are just influential people for me. Uh, mm. Cheech and Chong, uh, you know, uh, Sam Kittison. I'm not going one more. I got to hold He's going to give us the top 50. You know? Yeah. I only don't throw Patrice in there just because I knew that idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it would bug him. Yeah. <laughs> it would bug him if you heard me and if I put him in or if I didn't. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Mitch Hedberg. Doug Stanhope, mm. uh, Joe Rogan, um, and that, this is why I hate doing this, Mike Epps. I know I'm going to forget somebody. Um, Chappelle? Oh, obviously, Jesus Christ. I'd love it if you said, nah, <laughs> not oh, him. Oh, Jesus Christ. I, it's hard to do people that are doing it right now because yeah, you're yeah, making me like look yeah. back. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously him. Uh, Jesus Christ. Me doing that is literally like when the guy wins the Oscar and he forgets to thank his <laughs> wife <laughs> or his mother. The fuck did I forget, Dave? Yeah. Thanks uh, watching it. He's furious. We're up to Because you know what it was? I was trying so hard to make sure all these other people that I feel don't get yeah, um, the recognition they deserve. Yeah. Well, we're on to about 55 at this point, man. It's interesting. People never say Kinnison. I think people have forgotten Kinnison. Chris Rock said Kinnison was a lost. Yeah, Chris what about Rock? Rock? What about Chris Rock? Rock? Yes, fuck Chris Rock. Well, some of those guys, it's like you don't need to say it because they're, they're, they're like all of. Um, I got, I got to throw somebody in there that, uh, oh, fucking Jim Carrey. Yeah. Dude, Jim Carrey being Tony Clifton imitating the Kennedy, reenacting the Kennedy assassination is one of the greatest pieces of physical comedy you're ever going to fucking watch. Quick impression, huh? Uh, John, John Kennedy. Oh, it's unfucking believable and I got a chance when I did SNL to talk to him about it. I go, did you work that out? He goes, nah, I just, he, just, he just saw the car and he got in and did it. And it's just like, that's just thing. just like, fuck, I got I to gotta work hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so there you go. We did it. We talked, we talked fucking world politics right down. I know there's other people. George Goebel I liked. Gonna go back to the old school guys. George Goebel, uh Rodney Dangerfield. Oh my god, Rodney, come on. Yeah, so good. There's too many of them. Uh there you go. Bill's favorite five stand-ups. Yeah. Bill Cosby. <laughs> Bill Co <laughs> I'm glad you brought him up. I mean, look, Louis C.K. Louis C.K. David Tell. Fuck. Oh, David, David Tell, Tell is brilliant. Fucking brilliant. Um yeah. You you almost have to be just like you got to do like all right your favorite comedians 
in New York City during this period. Because right. yeah. being, being then, it would have been Chappelle, Attell, Louis C.K. Um, oh God, I'm getting so old. I got, I got to remember the names here. The Greer Barnes. Yeah. Um, talent. Favorite uh, British stand-up? Favorite British stand-up. Oh. I saw this guy. I'm going to, I don't know what his name is. I retweeted it. He did some fucked up. I can't remember. He just did this completely fucked up bit. It was about a house in an attic and something that a kid saw. It was so fucking dark. I can't even, I can't remember mm -hmm. the premise of it. Um, <laughs> that comedian is, is seething right now. <laughs> yeah, that Bill Burr loves this shit, but can't remember his yeah, name. Yeah, if we find no, out, I can't we'll put remember, it in the video. I'm, I'm really bad. Yeah. What was like, the, do you remember the joke or anything like that? Is there a comic with the last name Boyle? Frankie Boyle. Frankie Boyle. Is it Frankie Boyle? Frankie yeah, Boyle. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember the premise of the bit, and I saw it, and I just was fucking screaming, laughing. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I don't know enough about the British comedy scene because I'm all the way over here, and I'd be honest with you, I don't watch comedy because I don't want other people's jokes in my head. That's interesting. And then, like, 15 years later, I go to grab for a reference. Like, I'll tell you what, something fucking blew my mind the other day. Blew my mind. I was in a movie and uh, my character was drinking, right? And it was like a comedy or whatever. So I had some hard stuff and I just poured a little into the beer and everybody was thinking that, oh my God, that's so funny, blah, 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 blah. It was just something I, I thought that I thought to do. And then, you know, we've been trying to figure out the right opening for this movie. So we were trying to find these movies that had like, that didn't say anything but put you in the world, like, mm -hmm. you know, Fat City. And then, like, Pantisho uh, uh, said, hey, you should check out the beginning of the Bad News Bears. And they just show, like, you know, the Little League field, the sprinkler going, and he pulls up in this old Cadillac, and he has a beer, and he takes out a flask, and he poured it in the beer. So I saw that when I was, like, eight years old and forgot if I... I mean, I don't know if that's why I did it, but that's why I don't watch other people's stand up i have this weird thing but if i see him live it doesn't stick there's something about me being home and watching the special that it becomes more like a permanent thing where like i just think because i'm down the club i'm kind of going in and out watching a little bit and i'm thinking about what i'm going to talk about and stuff that it doesn't sort of glom on somewhere here but i saw that i was just like i was like oh i, I had no recollection of that whatsoever so you know what? Stand up is a different beast when it's live. Like I, I like I love watching like your specials. They're great. The latest one included. But it's when it's live. That's when it's exciting. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. when you get. That's when you understand why stand up is incredible. Because when yeah. you watch it on screen, again, it's entertaining. You you'll laugh. You'll enjoy it. And then you move on to the next thing. But when you watch it live, that's when it turns into a different beast. Yeah. No, it's amazing. It's nothing too. Where it's not. It doesn't fall off. Like it doesn't, like you can have like dips as far as people coming out to the clubs, but it's just, it's like music. So it's, people are always going to listen to music. They just, you know, like styles of stand-up fall off. But like when people say like, you know, when do you think this whole stand-up thing, the boom or whatever is going to end? It's like it isn't because every generation needs their, um, their comedians. They need their bands. They need all of that stuff. So it's not going to like... Uh, I hope not. I shouldn't say this. I already said Trump wasn't going to be a big deal. <laughs> so, but I think it's important to people. I remember my, uh, I was uh, opening for a good friend of mine, Jeff Norcott, who's a brilliant UK comic, 
And my girlfriend is going through a really hard time and she was feeling quite down. And I said to her, look, come and watch a show. Like you've seen all my shit a million times, but Jeff's brilliant. And she sat and she watched Jeff's show. And when she came out, she was literally, it seemed like a completely different person. Yeah. She was like, that's exactly what I needed. I just needed to sit down, laugh my ass off, and it's cathartic. No, it is. That's the Those are my favorite. You know, if I get like an email or a, a tweet, if I actually read it, because I'm bad with both of those. Yeah. But occasionally, I'll get some, or someone will come up to you and say, "Hey, man, I was going through a really bad period in my life, and your comedy helped me." And uh, it's weird. You almost feel like uh, embarrassed when they say it, because it's just like, oh because I'm doing this for me. <laughs> I'm selfishly doing this for me. And you're acting like I took time out of my day to help you. And it makes you just, I just really, but I love when people say that because it gets me out of my own head going, you know, when I get frustrated with the business and it's just like, you know, you're lucky enough that you're funny and that you doing this is actually helping other people out. That should be enough for you. So stop worrying about this other shit. It's so, in a way, I actually get probably more out of it, them saying it, than they do telling it to me. Bill, it's a nice positive note to finish on. We'll ask you a couple of questions from our oh, fans. Oh, gosh. By our fans in a second. No, no, they're, they're making this happen, man. Let's give them two, two questions, <laughs> but... Um, Ball washing his face. <laughs> That's a red flag. But before we do, we'll ask you the question we ask all our guests, which is, what's the one thing we're not talking about that we really should be? Isn't everybody talking about everything at this point? What, on this episode? No, no just, whatever in, you want. just in general, as a society. I, I don't I don't know, dude, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's a deep one. What's the one thing? Something you think doesn't get as much attention as it should. I think we covered all of that, didn't we? It's just like, you know, uh, I don't know, the population problem? I gotta go to that again? <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's gonna solve a lot of fucking problems. We talked about that before the podcast started. So give us, <laughs> yeah. give us, give it, give it to us again. What's the population oh. problem, Bill? Well, there's too many goddamn people. That's that's the whole like, all of these inventions and all of this shit are nice, but if there's too many people around using them, so you got to figure out a way, <laughs> without becoming a mass murderer, <laughs> to get people to to, to die. <laughs> yeah, well, I, it annoys me when I watch the news and you just see these weathermen going, "I'll tell you, it's gonna be a hot one," <laughs> and it's like. How do you not, how do you do that job as a fucking weatherman? I feel like there's two kinds of weathermen. The people who are actually fucking paying attention to that shit. And then the other person who just wanted to get on TV so they could have a hot fucking wife. You know what I mean? And then I see those, like, the L.A. weathermen, you got to watch, watch the local news. Like, the fucking L.A. weathermen, they just sit there like, you know, you know, tonight it's going to be cloudy when we get back. They do the thing, and they got these crazy jackets on and shit. I mean, I love it because they're, like, entertaining, but, like, it's like, dude, you look like you're selling cars. <laughs> and I just think that's such a funny personality to have while all of this end of the world shit, you know, lakes are drying up and all this. It's too fucking terrifying to talk about. So, um, maybe, Well, we did have an that. upbeat one. Now we've got a downbeat one. But well, there you go. You, that's your fault. You said it ended <laughs> on a nice positive note. You wanted to keep going. <laughs> we did. Bill Burr, thank you so much for coming on. I really All recommend right. everybody check out your latest special. All right. Thanks for having me. And I hope I get over there. I got to go to Wimbledon. That's the last tennis major I haven't been to. You haven't been to Wimbledon? No. What's great is you can knock out Wimbledon and then go down and see the Tour de France. Yeah. That's one of my things. I just want to stand there and hand a cup of water without tipping <laughs> the guy over and be like, I did it. I was that guy. <laughs> 
fantastic. Well, you'll love it in right. the UK, man. So come on over. All right. I'll be there. Thanks be so there. much. And thank, thank you. you for watching and listening. We'll see you very soon with another brilliant episode like this one or Raw Show. All of them go out at 7 p.m. UK time. And for those of you who like oh, your two nights, I'm in your, your shot. You do. in your shot. <laughs> do it again. Sorry. <laughs> no, we're going to keep that in. Oh, we're right. going to keep it in. Right. Keep watching, mate. We'll have another silly cunt on next week. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have put it better myself. We'll Take see you on Locals for the bonus questions. Take care and we'll see you soon. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> He asked! Oh. That is the best answer to that question I've ever fucking heard. Before you go, consider joining our exclusive member feed. As a member, you'll get ad-free and extended interviews. Click the membership link in the podcast description or find the exclusive episodes link on your podcast listening app to join us.